With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Touchline Fracker. Uh, joined by a very, very busy panel this evening. All the big clubs are represented, for better or worse. Let me go around and introduce everybody. I'll start with you, Mush. Uh, your first time on the main pod. Um, Thank you Mush, very much. How are you doing, sir? I don't know, mixed bag, really. Been cheered up by the performance we've just seen from someone else. So, you know, I don't know. My, my clock level rant might be going down a bit, but I'll, I'll see how I'm feeling when the time comes. But yeah, no, me and Seb will make sure you remind you of where you stand, <laughs> yeah? Uh, Dan, I think he was indirecting your club there, brother. Um, we were just on the Discord live and you're straight in the mixer. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Like the pain, pain is, is synonymous with my lifestyle now. Watch, yeah, watch the way you're rubbing say. your hands, though, is that you want yeah. to wring somebody's neck, man. I've, I've, I've made a bad decision in life, yeah. So Toby's just moved in with me in it. So this is going to be one long season. So oh yes, it's going to be one long season. So <laughs> I need yeah. to just get get with the picture. Seb, brother, how you doing, man? Brother, brother, brother. Ugh, birds flying high. You know, you know how. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm feeling good today, brother. I'm feeling good today, something, man. Something light. Something, hey, something, light. something light, nothing too heavy. Nothing, nothing too heavy, heavy, man. But we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, Tobes, um, I, I said we were the only team who got a good result. And you quite emphatically corrected me uh, before the pod started. You're grinning from ear to ear. Yes, I am. Um, not sure why, but I guess you're happy. <laughs> Uh, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, how you doing? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to be here, man. Yeah, top of the table, yeah? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not something like that. You're literally top of the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I know, yeah, but I'm not trying to make a big thing out of it. Okay, you, you don't want you me better. to... Really it's not going to loss. You don't so, want me to hold so, in on it, yeah? I, I, yeah. I won't make a big, a big thing about it. Uh, Semi, how you doing, man? 
Yeah, I'm good, bro. I'm good. It's good to be back, man. Yeah, good. It's been a while. How's the family? All good, man. All good. How, good. How's work? Yeah, work, work's good. Work's good, man. Don't ask me silly questions. Um, <laughs> cool. so, uh, before we start, I have to do the usual plug or the socials. So uh, Twitter, you all follow us on Twitter, so I won't really bother with that. But Discord, uh, the Discord live was popping today because it was truly a super Sunday. Uh, we've been on there since two o'clock. Uh, all, the, all the big teams played by Liverpool today. So yeah, sign up to the Discord live. Obviously, you've heard some snippets of it. It gets really raw. Uh, some things we really don't want people to hear. But uh, if you happen to be in the Discord live at the time, then crack on. Uh, those of you who listen to all the different club podcasts, if you're a fan of the visuals, sign up to the YouTube, subscribe, click that like button. That's my uh, Jake Paul impression. So subscribe and click that like button. And um, with all that being said, let's get into it. Dan, listen, I'm going to start with you just because your game is the freshest in my mind. So it's a 2-1 loss to Wolves. Um, yeah, I listen, I listen to... Touch of Gunas every week, so I know how you feel about Arsenal's current predicament. But for our listeners who don't necessarily, um, give us give us a little breakdown about your mental state at present. Well, I mean, my, my mental state is fine to be honest. I knew that what performance we were going to get, um, hoped hoped for a different one, but uh, alas, I was not presented with one. It's the same old, same old Arsenal, man. I think there was what no shots on target in that match or in the second half. Um, pretty much par for the course, really. Like, what can I say? We can't create chances. Teams literally sit back and say, come, give us your best shot. Come attack us. Wolves were happy to sit, defend their one-goal lead. And we we had no answers, man. Pathetic, pathetic football. Shocking. Mm. And when you look into the performance a bit deeper, sorry, Tobes' smile is killing me. Uh, When you look deeper into the performance, um, yeah, what what happened? Obviously, the game started off pretty pretty ominously with that clash between Jimenez and Luis. And I've seen some reports that Jimenez is awake and responsive, which I'm glad to hear about. But yeah, going down into the kind of the minutiae of your performance, what 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 can you what can you give us? What what's going on basically? Fam, like we're just crap in it. Like I, 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 like there's not even there's not even, like as much as you can talk about tactics, this, that, and the other. Yeah, but we're actually just bad. Like there's so many players who are not playing to their level, or so many players who are showing us that this is their level. I should say, like Abamyang was pathetic today. But obviously, he's got credit in the bank, so I'm not going to get onto him too much. I think Saka, he's also got credit in the bank. Young player, come through, but he had a poor game today. You know, Willian, the less said about that, that guy, the better. He's 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 a criminal and he's swindled us for 400k a week for the next three years. Um, I don't know what sort of Kool-Aid he was selling, but Arteta seemed to have bought that hook, line and sinker. Um, the midfield, centre midfield, no legs, no passing ability, no ability in the tackle, just pathetic. Probably the worst centre midfield pairing in the top 10. Oh, Sabios, um, no passing ability. Who's Sabios? That yeah. guy's a false image. Yeah, and uh, where, wherever Lewis is, everyone needs to act on it, bro. And and send him that, send him that video that because he was <laughs> talking rubbish. Like this guy, he can't pass the ball. He 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 does three. He he's, he should be a salsa dancer. Yeah, he, he does three pirouettes before he does anything useful with the ball. If he tries to find anyone further forward, the ball's lost. He can't run. He's tenacious, but for all for for all, that's not worth anything because he's weak. He gets bullied. Xhaka's the same, can't move, flat-footed, can't pass unless he's perfect, needs eight touches before he can release the ball. 
Rob Holding, boy, he was just getting sent back to Bolton, you know, uh, on 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 a what's it? What's that? What's that? What's that coach company? Yeah, he weren't even getting Virgin Trains. He was getting that coach. Oh, Nathan Express, yeah. Arriva, Arriva. Is it Arriva? <laughs> We're saying party bus. <laughs> cool. So you mentioned some interesting points there. So, uh, um, I've got some follow-up questions. I'll, I'll ask. I'll ask the group. I'll give you a second to to, to sort your head out, Dan. Um, so obviously, Dan's mentioned uh, Obamiang and Saka. Um, Dan, if you guys don't know, writes really good articles. Um, so so check those out. Uh, one of the things that he highlighted was the need for Obamiang to return to the middle this phantom middle part of the pitch, um, which would then lead to positive results for Arsenal. Um, I think this is what, is this, this the second or third game playing through the middle now, Dan? Yeah, oh, Dan doesn't want to. Second, it's a second, it's a second. It's a second. Uh, cool, thank you. Thank you for that delayed response. Um, yeah, so it's the second game through the middle. Um, I can think uh, the first game I watched that, didn't have many chances, fair enough game against Leeds. Today wasn't really the case. Um, the ball got to him a decent amount of time and the other times he just wasn't really on his feet. So obviously you guys have come off the kind of the Ozil contract debacle where you've kind of given a top player who's declining a big contract. Um, how is it looking? Let me ask uh, you, uh, Mush. Look, looking at Aubameyang, because I'm, I'm pretty sure you read um, Dan's articles as well and you've heard about this phantom space in the middle of the, the pitch where he needs to be. So watching Aubameyang's performances, do Arsenal fans need to be worried or is Dan right and does he have a lot of credit still in the bank? It's interesting, isn't it? Because where you've got credit in the bank, what probably applies as credit changes, right? The whole complaint was that Lacazette's, you know, arguably the worst starting striker in the league. So suddenly we see Aubameyang and he's doing the job even worse. So what does that say about Aubameyang in the in the rankings in this division, right? And then also we saw Willian, Lacquer, we saw Burner Boy in the changing room after a win against Fulham first game of the season. The soundtrack's changed, man. So I don't know. So Dan's written an article, but we've seen the solution happen and the result didn't come. So... I don't know. Long may this continue, but it might be in the market for another 50 mil striker. I'm not sure. Uh, it's tense. I think what they can take um, some reprieve from and what they can smile about is that when Lacazette is usually up top, there are no, there are no chances, really. Um, he, he plays a part in that, his lack of a back to, to, to goal game. Um, so the fact that some chances were coming through does suggest that there's something more positive about um, uh, Aubameyang being up top. Obviously, Tobes, uh, you get to enjoy Harry Kane put on a show every week. Um, what what do you see when you, when you watch Aubameyang up top? It's a weird one because on his day he is a world class striker. I think I think a lot of people get the whole oh, world class player v world class striker thing confused, um, and they focus on his game outside of goals, which isn't good. We get we know that, but. He scores a lot of goals. He's built up a reputation for himself. But I think what we're seeing now this season is even worse performances when he's not scoring than what we saw uh, before from Aubameyang. With the exception of Man United, this guy is just not contributing to much um, more, well, contributing to much um, with regards to build-up. We already know that he doesn't contribute much anyway, but he's now offering next to nothing. And when Arsenal are not creating anything as well, it's just a mad tornado effect. And it's like, this guy's putting up stinkers. You're not creating chances, et cetera, et cetera. So 
I do hear Daniel saying he's got credit in the bank, and I, 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 I do agree to a certain extent, but a player who's meant to be a world-class striker simply cannot have performances that we saw today. So it's, it's just not good enough. And the spotlight needs to be shined firmly on him this season, for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll be watching. And when I spit bars in a man, I go hard last and Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And you mentioned stinkers, and that allows me to segue quite nicely into your game against um, Chelsea. Oh, wow. So, um, Sammy, how <laughs> come to you, sir? So, uh, a nil-nil, a potential... Well, let's call it a top-of-the-table clash. Uh, the winner would have went top-of-the-table. Um, nil-nil draw today at um, Spurs. Um, what were your thoughts about your performance, Spurs' approach, and how the game played out? Um, so, I expected Spurs to approach the game how they did. So, that wasn't a surprise there. Um, I, was a, I was disappointed in our overall play in the sense that I felt like we didn't move the ball as quickly as we have done in previous games versus other low blocks. So when we face low blocks, such as Burnley, Sheffield United, we move the ball quickly, side to side. Um, and yeah, there was a real tempo and intensity about our attacking play. But this today was just was just the complete opposite. Um, I felt like um, from all of the first half um, on the ball, we were very slow. Um, there was no intensity in trying to get Spurs to shuffle across um, from side to side. It was just slow. Um, second half was a little bit better. Um, but again, I don't feel like we've done enough to win the game. Um, one thing that was quite frustrating as well is that when we got the ball, the, the spaces were outside, were on the wide areas because obviously Spurs compact the middle of the pitch. So going through the middle was just a myth. But when we got the ball out to the fullbacks, the fullbacks weren't taking risks. So a lot of the time, especially in the first half, it was just they were just playing it back backwards to either one of our midfielders or to the defence. Sorry to interject. Do you think that was an instruction from Lampard or do you think that was just due to the stakes? Uh, I think I wouldn't. Um, I think it was due to the stakes because I think second half they were a bit more adventurous. So maybe Lampard told them to be a bit more adventurous in the second half. But first half, yeah, I think due to the stakes, it was just very. They were, they were instead of them to take risks and either carry the ball forward um, or actually pass forward, they were just passing backwards, and, and that was it. Um, Chilwell and James um, guilty of that. Um, so if they were, I would have liked to see them be a bit more adventurous. That was probably that would have been our outlet. And you saw in the second half when James started to take a bit more. Um, risks. Um, he got down the line a few times, put in a few balls for Tammy, who made a mess of it. Um, and likewise, Chilwell. So, yeah, um, overall, performance was disappointing. We did do enough to win the game. I guess you can say that we were solid. Well, we didn't really have many attacks to, to, to defend, but it's another clean sheet, I guess. Um, that's probably me scraping at the barrel for accolades, really. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tobes, so you're, you're grinning from ear to ear. Mm-hmm. Um you said you're not reading too much into being top of the table. Yeah. Um, why are you smiling? I'm smiling because I was told so much about this amazing Chelsea attack that 
are scoring goals for fun. Havertz, Pulisic, Werner, all of this, all of this. To be honest, Havertz and Pulisic probably wouldn't have been mentioned. They, they ain't been doing much this season. But yeah, continue. yeah, I know, but I, I, they, you know that the whole, yeah, the, the whole package, the, the full package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they were up against they were up against a centre back who played who had his first start in the Premier League in his whole career this season, and they were up against uh, Eric Dyer, who has been our best centre back this season, but is Eric Dyer, and they couldn't really penetrate. They really couldn't penetrate. And um, Sammy wants to talk about our uh, defensively. We didn't have much to worry about, but um, from my perspective, I was happy with a point. We don't have a good record at Chelsea, yeah, and historically over the past couple of years we haven't defended well so to come here to get a point to keep a clean sheet I cannot complain about that the second half was ugly but I can't complain about that and most importantly I wanted, I wanted to shout out Ndombele as well I know he came off on 60 minutes as well but it's just funny to see Kante top three best performing defensive midfielders in the league and Ndombele had him running around circles so you played two thirds of the game um my my maths a million pounds of his transfer fee per minute that he was on the pitch. Hey, hey, let's let's not focus, um, let's not focus on the minutes. He played well. Let's let's, I mean, you need to focus on the minutes. <laughs> let's just leave it as that. He played well. How about that? Yeah, can't we just leave it at that? He played well. No, because let's let's deconstruct that. You've you've brought him to the Mariah. Mariah, the diabetes kicks in eventually, bro. <laughs> so um, obviously he's he's physically he's improved from last season because he's actually able to uh, play on the pitch for a sustained period of time. Um, how long before 60 minutes becomes 90 minutes? And how much does that cap cap your play when your, your best midfielder uh, can't play play the full game? Um, the funny thing is, I think he can play more than 60 minutes. Like, uh, I feel like it's exaggerated that he's always blowing after 60 minutes. I get that he's still trying to build his fitness up, but I think he can play more than 60 minutes. But the issue is... 67, 68? Like, why, why did he consistently come off? <laughs> I don't know. I think... I, at least 75 minutes. I think he can play 75 minutes. Come on. He played 45 minutes midweek and then he played like 60 minutes today. I think he can. But I think that the, the issue is here. When so we have you, So what you say, you just added you just added them up, yeah? <laughs> I'm not trying to add anything up. I'm just trying to tell you that the man can play more Let's than 60 smash minutes. Some numbers he together. Can't. That long he he can can't. Yes, he can. He can't. Yes, he can the play guy, more The than guy is minutes. blowing after his third sprint of the match, man. Stop it. Like, he can't. Jose Mourinho is protecting this guy. So he can even last as long as he lasts, man. The guy cannot um, play. He can't play 75 minutes. Like, the reason he's playing uh, in the position that he's playing, last season, Jose played him centre mid and he wasn't at the races. He couldn't play there. That's why we didn't see him. You were there crying every week. Where's, why is no end of belly? Why is no end of belly? And you're seeing why, because his fitness ain't there. His, his athleticism ain't there. He's playing behind the striker, off the ball. He is your, your, your furthest player forward. So Jose is protecting him from doing any sort of tracking back because he can't do it. He's not able to do it. So you need to just forget this whole, oh yeah, his fitness is going to, it's just not in him. It's not going to happen. So you're going to tell me that forever he's going to play 60 minutes, yeah? That's what you're telling me? Yeah. Okay, you want to put money on that, yeah? Look at this, look at this. No, yeah. no, 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 you've just said, no, 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 chill, 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 no, no, you've just said, you, I, I just asked you a question, I just asked you a question. Okay, let me, let me, let me ask you one back, yeah? Lacazette, when Wenger was hooking him off after, after 70 minutes, everyone was saying the same thing. What we see now with Lacazette four years later, is he better athletically or is he worse? He's like 29 years old, bro. Yeah, but answer, 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 answer the question. Prime, to be fair, 29 is not old. Come on. Answer the question. 
I'm not answering the question. I'm why not? Exactly. Why aren't you answering the question? Fit. That's a fair question to ask. I don't want to answer the question. But why not? <laughs> why are you refusing to answer <laughs> a fair question? See, he's, bo- he's bottled it. The history he's of bottled this. You bottled it. Okay, the history, yeah? <laughs> you see? But didn't we just hit you for six the other day? And you're talking about the history of It doesn't matter. Oh, here we go. Okay, oh, cool. do, you get, do you get a trophy right, for that? Cool. Do you get a trophy no, for that? No, we don't. No, we don't. Don't make us go down the trophy route. Come on. Come on, G. We like you, man. We like you, bro. Come on. So, um... Seb, obviously we were watching the game on, on the Discord and mm. it was uh, a top of the table clash. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, Shemi and Tobes both say they weren't surprised by the approach. But mm. um, were you? Were you? I mean, Chelsea, I know we've heard a lot about them over the last few weeks, but this was potentially an opportunity for Spurs to really see what they were made of, made of and to maybe perhaps put a statement down and show that they were serious, serious title challenges and to be considered that mm. Uh, what do you say? It was a statement for Chelsea. I mean, no, for it was Spurs. An opportunity, opportunity for Spurs to. to, to Spurs. Spurs. Mm, I don't know, man. You know, when I look at Jose, I look at him as a manager and how he uh, performs historically over a season. Uh, when he's in a certain position, i.e., like he has a chance to go, you know, top of the table, or he's near top of the table, I think the bigger games he's gonna approach with some caution. Um, and for him, I feel like Jose, it's like, he. I feel like he, you know, well, every manager, they look at all the fixtures. Um, Is that me or have we lost Seb? Start of the season. No, we've lost, we've lost All right, Seb, you've, your connection's gone a bit... Uh... Can I say, all right, cool. I can get this at all. I should be... What have, have you... We can't what, hear what you. you. Is, is it gone? You're, you're back you now. Oh, now nah, you're back. You're back. Go on. Oh shit, that's weird. Where, where did I get up to? Uh, anyway. Just start again. Start again in terms of cool. Jose's approach. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So Jose's approach in the bigger games, um, when he's near the top of the table, what I've realised is, um, he don't mind getting a point because it's one of those ones where I'd rather get a point, um, and bring me closer to my goal than you know lose. And we've seen that at all of the teams where he's won stuff. So this was something that I knew he would do. For me, I'm more disappointed in Chelsea because they seemed very toothless. Do you know what I mean? They still seem quite similar to last season, even though they, they have better players. So for me, that was just, yeah, that was quite interesting to see. But um, no, it, again, it's not... It, 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 for me, there's no, um, there's no shade on Spurs because they're doing what Jose does. And if he's at the top of the table, this is what this is a Jose performance. And mm-hmm. then I expect him to go against a lesser side like Arsenal next week, and you know put a couple goals past Arsenal because um, I I don't think he will respect them. So next week, if he does the same thing, that would be disappointing. But I, mm-hmm. I think he's going to go out and attack Arsenal, in my opinion. Also, Spurs are truly a team built in the image of their manager. Uh, Shemi, um, anything to add, sir? Yeah, just just to echo what Seb said, um, Jose he 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 nitpicks which games he's gonna, um, which big games he's gonna get three points from, which one's gonna get a point from, um, and yeah, I think they got what they came for today. In terms of Chelsea, um, I wouldn't agree that we're we're toothless. I kind of want to challenge that one because I feel like this season we have in, in the majority of games we have played with an attacking flair, albeit against the smaller sides. I would like us to see, I would like to see Lampard be a bit more braver in the big games because this season he hasn't. But um, generally, this season, in the majority of games, I feel like we have played with more attacking freedom. We've scored a lot of goals. I think we're top scorers in the league at the moment. So I wouldn't say we're toothless. I, I would just say the approach play from Lampard 
in the bigger games especially just isn't correct and I feel like um, he deserves criticism for his in-game management today um, uh, one, one second lads calling in from the pod is uh, Ant he wants to say some, some words hello Ant what's happening everyone um, who's on who's on who's on uh, Mario uh, Mosh Daniel uh, Touchy Greeners um, Shemi um, did, did, Toby did Dan tell you did Dan tell you a lot about my good deed no Dan, what was it? He's laughing. Good deed. Dan's laughing. Dan's laughing. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you about my good deed because these men didn't want to take me serious last week. What, what was his good deed? What was his good deed? Yeah, basically, um, Ant was saying that um, he was saying that Eddie Howe would be doing a better job than Arteta. Yeah? And I was saying that that's nonsense. Then Ant put up, we, we had a bet that we wouldn't, uh, that we, I said that we would do better than Eddie Howe's best season at Bournemouth. Yeah. And Ant said that we wouldn't. <laughs> and that best season, I think it's ninth place, scored something like 50-something 50, 50 goals, conceded like 70-something or whatever. And I said that, and the bet was that we'd score more than 50-something goals. But I said to him today, give me your account details because we're not, <laughs> we're, not scoring, we're not scoring 50 goals. And he, he, his kind deed was that he wrote it off. He wrote, hey, the yeah, bar, he the bar's he in hell, man. The bar is in hell. See, I'm a good person, man. I'm a good person. Hey, but uh, more importantly, yeah, my man's got to go to Lego, man. He's got to go ASAP. We've got to throw whatever we can at Pochettino. Even the Ajax guy. I like the Ajax guy. But yeah, Arteta's got to go early. No more of this um, nice guy stuff. Calm. <laughs> That's Ant. Thanks, Ant. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. Um... Touchy Gunas falling apart at the seams, it seems. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Um, so, Semi, you said you wanted to question it. So that's, that's a good point. Tammy Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. So as I'll say, first name's actually Kevin, but yes, Tammy Abraham. Um, he was presented with a couple of good look, or decent looks at goal, which he didn't capitalize on. So, you've got Werner, uh, 50 million in from Leipzig, playing out wide. I don't think he necessarily had the best game out there. Um, were you frustrated that Lampard didn't perhaps make some changes earlier? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was getting onto actually. Um, before and um, so essentially, I was um, I was saying that Lampard deserves a bit of criticism for his in-game management today. I feel like often his um, changes are they come too late in the game, and it offers little time for the substitutes who are coming on, i.e., Pulisic or Hudson Odoi or whoever it is. It offers them too little time to impact the game. Um, in terms of your question about Tammy Abraham, yeah, um, I was very frustrated with um, what he did with the chances that came his way. I felt like um, Reese put in two good crosses and I think there was another one from Werner that he could have done much better with. There was, the one from Werner, he just literally just fell on the floor and often Tammy leaves, often Tammy leaves me wanting more. Um, some like I made a tweet um, last week that you get the good and the bad with him. So the good in the sense like he, he, like his attacking position in the box is, is often quite good. But like in terms of his balance, in terms of his hold-up play, in terms of his just general play, it can be just very quite sloppy. And today was another one of those days whereby in the box, when opportunities were presented to him, he just he just wasn't at it. And it just leaves me a bit frustrated because I feel like in a game like that, sometimes you do just have to take the smash and grab. So he hit, he connects with one of those headers, we probably win the game. Um, and yeah, I, I would just like to see, I, I, I was hoping that Lampard would have moved Werner through the middle um, and brought on Pulisic, but he seems to prefer um, a bigger a bigger guy up front with Werner playing off of him, which is fine, which is fine. But um, 
I just think today, especially, he could have tweaked it a little bit earlier and possibly, especially the fact that um, the, the Tottenham centre-back, I can't remember his name, whoever came in today, like Roden. quite physical. Roden, yeah. So he's a physical defender and um, holding the ball up against, um, backing into him, like trying to do hold-up play, I feel like that is ro- what Roden is good at. So I feel like if Werner had gone through the middle, giving him a different kind of problem in terms of his pacing behind, we might have um, asked a few more questions as opposed to playing to um, Spurs' defensive strengths, which is the physicality, you know, Dyer's physical, he's got the height. So I feel like Werner through the middle might have given them a different type of problem. But yeah, that's just my view. I think so too. I think pace would have been your biggest, pace would have been your biggest strength against those two centre-backs today. Pace and just sort of quick, quick movement. Um, Rodon was struggling initially early doors mm. and Werner was looking a, a bit dangerous on that left-hand channel as well. So um, I think you definitely would have had a bit more joy if you played someone who was a bit more fluid through the middle. Yeah, um, Bush, um, last bit on uh, Chelsea Spurs. Yeah, no, I, th- I think everyone's made some great points here. I think one of the big things for me that I noticed about Lampard's approach, which was quite disappointing and for me quite basic, was that when you when we all watched the game, I think all of the attacking players made the exact same run or attempted the same types of things. So one one thing I've noticed about Lampard, which is quite problematic, is that, let's say I support Liverpool. So when I watch Mane or Salah, they don't make the same run or they don't, offer the same movements all the time. Sometimes it's short, sometimes it's central, sometimes it's wide. Whereas today I just saw Werner come around the back post, Tammy tuck in in behind the other centre-back and then Ziyech take one step in with the left and then try and whip it in. There was no variety in what the players who were on the pitch did and it shouldn't take for you to make a sub for you to change your approach. You should be able to be able to change your approach with the personnel you already have on the pitch. So it's almost like he will just bring on players who have different characteristics and they will execute different actions rather than him telling the players that this is what I've noticed, like uh, this is what I've noticed. And Tammy, while not being the fastest, is pretty nippy. So if he did want to perhaps decide to, rather than play the back-to-goal game, actually see see what uh, Roden's made of, that's definitely something that he could have done. Yeah, you you make a good point there. Um, Seb, I've I've kept you waiting long enough. Um... More to spare, these guys. We're back, baby. Uh, no, no, no. Um, so, obviously, we had a game today, 3-2 uh, against Southampton. Um, take, take us through your thoughts before the game in terms of the lineup. Um, during the game, obviously, at a point, we were 2-0 down. And then, um, obviously, when El Matador uh, scored the winner. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, so before the game, um, we done a Patreon piece on uh, Moga. So, Guys, you know, if you listen to this and you support Manchester United, make sure you sign up to that patron, uh, get, you know, previews of matches or whatever. So, yeah, we, me, um, Elijah and Michael done their patron piece together. And we're just basically going through the match. And for me, I said on that day, I said on the patron that we should just just vibes it, man. Just vibes it. Like, have, go, go for a diamond and play Van der Beek. The reason why I said just vibes is because against Istanbul, we were still quite open um, through the middle. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and Istanbul had a, a load of chances um, and we was actually quite lucky in that match when I think about it. And it was just kind of end to end. And I just wanted to play a similar way against Southampton. I feel like they press. And then also on top of that, uh, with the 
uh, with like the, the the coach's mindset and what he's instilled into the team, I, I thought they wouldn't respect us, which is fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's cool. They're not going to respect Manchester United. You think that, you know, uh, we're, we're there for the taking. And... Um, yeah, so I, I thought we'd be able to to, to kind of capitalise on that. So, um, yeah, so obviously the match starts and we see that we're in like a 4-2-3-1-2 uh, type of thing. Um, and for me, um, Greenwood, he's just in a very, very poor vein of form. And um, it, it, it's one of those things, he needs an arm around him. It happens, it happens to every single striker where they go through long periods of time without scoring and things that they usually get right without thinking, you know, they're overthinking, they're trying to make it too sure. And when they're trying to make it too sure, they end up missing the chance. And we've seen that happen a few times with Greenwood. So in the first half, uh, he misses key chances and Southampton have a set piece from a corner. James Woodprouse absolute whips. Um, um, first goal wasn't De Gea's, De Gea's fault. And then the second goal, a free kick, which I was on Discord saying, yeah, this is a goal, 100%. This is 100% a goal. Someone said this is a pen. I said it might as well have been. <laughs> I said it might as well have been. I said 100%. If he gets us on target, it's a goal. Because, yeah, like, I just have no trust on De Gea. And James will price as a beast from um, um, that position. So, anyway, we'll go 2-0 uh, down. And he takes Greenwood off at halftime. Um, and then I feel like the game was quite similar to like the first 10 minutes of the first half. So the first 10 minutes of the first half, we had all the uh, possession and was doing our thing. And in the second half, I feel like we was kind of doing our thing. Um, and yeah, like, you know, we managed to score three decent goals. Bruno can't be defeated. Had the worst uh, worst ever pass completion I think I've ever, ever seen in the first half. And then he said, fuck it. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going to come up trumps. Um, so it gets us in the game. Um, and then Cavani, you know, draws us level. And then Rashford to Cavani uh, for the winner. And um, yeah, it, it just showed, you know, good spirit. And it just showed that, um, United needed a real number nine. So we've had finished number nines at this team. And just because they've been world-class or like in their previous life, they've managed to show what they could do. And I've always said, Marshall isn't a number nine. He's just a good player. And Cavani showed it today. The movement, um, you know, just the finishing um, is what you expect from a real number nine. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Interesting stuff. To Tobes is nodding his head in agreement. So is yeah. so it was a four-three-one-two that we went with uh, today. Um, Mush, we were talking about Van der Beek uh, before the pod started. So yeah, it would be interesting to uh, get into get into that and hear uh, a bit more about your thoughts about how he's been used here in comparison to how he was used at Ajax. Yeah, really, really interesting because I think all of us kind of associated Van der Beek with like this really clever player who gets into goal scoring positions and kind of, you know, floats his way into goals, into the goals and will probably put up high numbers. Whereas I feel like the way he's currently being used by Solskjaer is just to be like tidiness on the pitch. And it's almost, for me, a player as talented as Van der Beek is basically being used like someone like Harry Winks at Tottenham, like just someone who knows how to turn on the ball on a half turn and just recycle it. And it, for me, it's a similar to what I just said about Lampard. It, it's a big insult on how you're underutilizing a very talented footballer. And I get that Bruno is doing a lot in terms of contribution, but there's surely got to be a way of getting more out of Van der Beek if you're Manchester United. Yeah, I think where we where we struggle is that that midfield of ours is not very mobile. 
uh, in the Prem and with the defence that we have, uh, our first uh, thought is always to make sure we're able to protect the back line. So um, that's why you see Fred and Matic and before Fred and McTominay or Matic and McTominay, you, you see those combinations in front of the back line because the idea is that we want you guys to stay there and basically be solid, break up play and make sure the back line's never been exposed never been exposed van der beek he, he's not the most athletic that's fine uh where he does make up for that is with his technical ability his intelligence in his in his head so he's able to like you say play out of pressure link up play with with the players but there is there is more of a player in there um it's difficult uh he plays with bruno fernandez which means it's very difficult to really get into any combination plays in the in, in the midfield with bruno fernandez his moves tend to be final moves hadoukens hadoukens only um, <laughs> Every every (laughs) so you can. (laughs) That's all he cares about. That's all he cares about. Like every every pass he's making, he's trying to split the defense, and it really does not matter where on the pitch he is. That's all he sees. He he really feels like his ability level is limitless, and he wouldn't be the player that he is if he didn't see the game like that. But the problem is how detrimental it can be to your team across 90 minutes. But what I realised a couple of games ago, and anyone who listens to Mugga and Touchline, to be honest, will know I'm not a Bruno fan. Yeah, I give up. I can't beat him. I cannot beat him. <laughs> Doesn't matter how shit he plays, he is going to make sure that he imprints, he leaves an imprint on that match in a positive way for his team. So in terms of Van der Beek, I think for, for Oli, it's almost like come and do a job. Um, you're more reliable and more technically secure uh, than Pogba is at the moment, and as long as we have that, we've got um, Bruno to to carry us over over the edge. And it's Oli is not in in the business of trying to make anything flashy or come up with any philosophies. It's just get my wins, get my wins, keep my job, uh, get us up the table essentially. And I'll just keep doing that for as long as I can. And we'll open our eyes after thirty eight games have been played, and we'll we'll see exactly where we are. No, sorry, I just wanted. Sorry, sorry, uh, sorry, Seb. Um, I just wanted to ask a question to you and Seb as well. So, by in ter- where does Bruno Fernandez rank then as a player? Like, there's normally like your bog standard level. So you got crap, average, good, quality, world class, or whatever. So, by what he's doing from an output point of view, surely you'd have to rank him as a quality player. I know he has his. He's good. He's good. He's no better than good. So we're not saying that. We're not saying that he's quality. No, he's good. Uh, I, I, wow. gonna lie. I have to put him as quality. He has to output, be quality. He doesn't, output, have to, yeah. doesn't have to be anything. You asked me a question, I gave you my answer. <laughs> the, the, output, the output is just too much for me. But sorry, just going back on that Van der Beek here. For me, yeah, I feel like Van der Beek is actually happy to play in that position because there's some midfielders that just love touches of the ball. Do you know what I mean? And he's, he'd get more touches on the ball than if he's playing in that floating position. Um, and even before he came, that's what uh, Edwin was saying. Van der Sar was saying that, um, you know, uh, uh, he, he can play this. He likes to play this position. He likes to play six, likes to play eight, likes to play 10, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I just feel like uh, midfielders definitely like more touches of the ball. And then on top of that, it's like, if the if the team is if the team is rubbish and you're not getting touches of the ball, you turn to not, be in the game and I think we actually saw that quite early on in the season actually no I think we I think was it was it for Man United or 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 Holland I can't remember it was a Holland game where he was playing in that floating position and Holland weren't really playing well and he was just floating all game 
Do you know what I mean? Not getting touched with the ball, trying to do that Deli Alley thing, last touch. And I just feel like a player of his quality, I, I, I want him to touch the ball more than players like Bruno. Do you know what I mean? I want him to affect the game um, in the, the middle third. Do you know what I mean? I want the round of corners. I want the the, the one-twos and whatever. And right now, I feel like he's probably the best player in our team to do that currently. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shemi, uh, what, what are your thoughts on Manchester United and uh, the Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, Bruno Fernandes wagon that just keeps rolling on for some reason? Um, I actually wanted to... Um... So what Sebi said about Greenwood and his form, I just wanted to like kind of make a point on that. Sure. Um, I feel like um, with the way United set up, um, so the way Oli sets up two strikers, he wants them to kind of like split and kind of go wide and then come in sort of thing. And I feel like, I don't know if that setup is best for Greenwood because I feel like he's very good at like specific like roles and instructions. So I feel like when you when you set him up with the two um, up front and you're telling him to split, I feel like, He's he's better at either being um, played wide or played played centrally because then like he has his like specific role if that makes sense. I don't know if you lot. I just wanted to know what you, what you lot's thoughts on that was because I feel I don't feel like um, that setup gets the best out best out of him because obviously when he's out wide he can go one v one come and shoot and then obviously if he plays through the middle by himself he's a certified clapper. So I feel like those two roles um, isolated either one or the other is kind of how. Um, is the best setup for him. I don't feel like him playing in the two and having to split is the best setup to get the best out of him. I don't know what you lot thought about that. He's going through a, ba- a a bad patch in terms of form and confidence, but it happens. He's a young player. I think um, where I see things with Greenwood um, is now he's kind of got that attention of being a player that's dangerous, people playing with more respect. And it means that other parts of his game, which aren't necessarily there yet, which is for me mainly, it's the physical side of his game. And this is a Premier League. We've seen quality footballers who haven't had that physical athletic side of their game be run out of this league. Uh, With Greenwood's case, it's more a case of him um, just growing, physically developing. I think um, it's problematic for us when he's on the right-hand side because he normally has to link up with Aaron Wan-Bissaka. And Aaron Wan-Bissaka is not really giving his wide man any space or giving the defence anything to think about, which then means that the fullback has to spread out, which means he's actually getting to be one-on-one with the centre-back. What tends to happen is that the fullback gets to tuck in and the centre-back are both kind of doubling up on Greenwood and you'll just leave Aaron Wambasaka out wide because oh, it's Aaron Wambasaka, he's not really going to be any trouble. And then when he plays centrally in the middle, he's not really able to play that kind of physical game with the centre-backs. He's going to get bullied all, all, all game long. And to be honest, the two chances that he got today are probably the best chances I've seen him have all season and the best chances I've seen him have uh, from central positions for the first team um, since he's come through, to be honest with you. And... Honestly, I'm very surprised that he didn't at least put one of them away. Like, he hits corners. That's what he does, man. But that first chance, I wouldn't have even minded if he's gone wide and he's hit it and the defender blocked it. He didn't even hit the target. And for the second one, which is literally, he's straight on. And obviously, we know he he favours his left, but he can use either foot. Again, he, again, he wasn't clinical there. So I think he's just going through a tough period. Um, I wasn't happy with Oli taking him off. Uh, because I thought that wouldn't necessarily be good for his confidence. But listen, Cavani's come on, grabbed two goals, got an assist um, and help us get the three points. And in all honesty, uh, a bad performance today won't be the, the decider in the sort of career that Mason Greenwood goes on to have with us. So yeah, he just needs to keep playing, play his way through this and come out the other side stronger and better for it, really. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. I, I do agree with that. But it's, it's good that Cavani came on and got those two goals because I was struggling to see how, you know, because obviously Oli's not the best at in-game tweaks and obviously at half-time something needed to kind of change. Um, so I felt like, yeah, Cavani done quite well to like bail you guys out because other than that, I didn't see how Oli was going to Kind of yeah, he was, he was he was he was all over the place as well. He was on the right hand side. He was on the edge of our box, like breaking up play and linking play. But then, because the legs aren't necessarily there yet, he wasn't then able to get back up the other end. But then he 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 did what he does best, and and that that movement for those two goals are, are what he's done for the last half a decade plus. Um, Dan, did did you like that? Obviously, that's that's a number nine right there. Um, Swear. I was yeah, gonna yeah. ask a question. Yeah, I was gonna ask yeah, a question. Yeah. How, 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 what, what does your season look like then? Like, what, what's the goals here? Really? I, brother, I couldn't tell you. I honestly couldn't tell you how I feel. I need Oli gone. I need him gone because he's not gonna take us to. And I, and my feeling is because it's, it's died down now because he's pulled together a few good results. Is that? The higher-ups know he's not the guy to take us where we want to go to. But what they're doing is waiting until the results make it a decision that they have to make. And the only time the results would then make it a decision that they have to make is when the season was unredeemable. Basically, like, Mm. oh, you can't get top four. Let's get rid of him. And then the guy who has to come in would have to pull off, like, 15 wins in 17 games or something. I think, again, his target is top four. If he, if he can make top four and keep us in the Champions League, uh, Ahmad Diallo's coming in um, in January. He comes in with a lot of hype around his name. Um, we then have the summer transfer window to address, again, some of our issues. Um, the Pogba situation, either he signs a contract or he leaves. Um, Marshall, what's going on with Marshall? Greenwood's a year older, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, um, <clears throat> Liverpool are better than us. Tottenham are better than us. Chelsea are better than us. Spurs are better than us. So I feel like his target is top four. But yeah, there, there, there's clearly four teams that are better than us. So we'll see how it how it goes in regards to that. Um, well, obviously, uh, we've got a game in hand. And if we win our game in hand, I think that brings us up to four, four, fifth. Yeah, so we've got, um, where are we? We are seventh now with 16 points, nine games. If we were to win our game in hand, we'd um, go into, um, yeah, 10th place with Leicester also. Um, having played the same amount of games, but they've got two more points. So we haven't, have we won a game at home this season yet, Seb? Yeah, we just won. Uh, um, did we win last week? West Brom, 1-0. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so we, yeah, beat, yeah. we just about beat that was, West Brom at home. Yeah, 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 that's the only one. Yeah, that's the I think we played. lost the other four. Um, so getting the, sorting out the home form is 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 key. But yeah, honestly, to, to tell you, Dan, I don't think he's going to do it. Uh, I don't think he's going to do it. I don't think he's going to last the season. Uh, it's it's a it's a race for Pochettino, really, uh, and I really don't want us to lose out because um, as much as there's like loads of quality managers on the continent, uh, Pochettino has the qualities that I I know of. His qualities are known to me, and I think that that would serve us well going forward. We've got a good academy with talented young players who can definitely contribute to the first team in the next eighteen to twenty four months. I, I want a manager who has a track record of bringing young players through. I want a manager who understands the league. I want a manager who who's shown the ability to adapt tactically. Not necessarily the best in game, but um he definitely tends to set up his teams and most of the time his plan A tends to be a, a good one. And I think this team has enough quality for him to definitely have us up amongst the the best better teams in the league. And if they back him financially then we're we're potentially back in business. Um, to be so honest. you're saying poch, poch or bust, yeah, no one else. 
not not necessarily no one else, but that's the known quantity to me. Um, the thing is, that's the known quantity to the board. So if they don't get Poch, who the hell are they going to bring in? Who the hell are they probably go for Arteta or something? So I think um, Nagelsmann <laughs> fits a lot of what you want. But as you said, you want someone that's known to the league. So that's fair enough. Yeah, I, I, and I think Nagelsmann, he's what, 32, 33? I think um, where you have these managers who are good tacticians, I think that the man management side is something that we definitely, I, I hear that. We definitely yeah. underrate. And while there are other managers that I like in, 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 the, in the league, I f- just the Premier League that is at lower teams, I think it's that ability to come in and command the dressing room from the get-go. It's like the impact that Jose Mourinho had at Spurs, for example. Like they had Pochettino and they got close to the mountaintop, uh, but it didn't quite get there and a manager who's come in and who's won everything in the game has come in and been like listen you guys are really good but you haven't won and this is why you haven't won and they're all ears and they'll go out there and play that shit football but they know it's going to get them they know it's going to get them results and those results are going to get them closer to potentially winning things so I don't know what Nagelsmann like he hasn't won anything you know and he's coming in and he'll probably have interesting philosophies and they may listen for a while, but then the results have to be good because the minute your results aren't good and you don't have the respect of the dressing room, then straight away your back's against, well, who's this guy? You've got this guy from Germany. He's, they've got players in the dressing room who are older than him. Um, it's mm-hmm. tough, man. This, this football managing malarkey is, is not easy. Managers have made it look easy, but yeah. Give uh, me Wenger. Uh, come on, man. Granddad, a hundred years old, man. man. You can't have them Nagelsmann suits on the touchline, man. Big OT, big OT. Can I just make uh, one final point on Bruno? Just really quickly. Do whatever you like. Um, I feel like so with the whole um, uh, um, in regards to the whole you can't beat him type thing and whatever, and obviously his past completion not being great, but him having impact. I feel like whilst you guys are not great, like so, however long that continues, I feel like his impact is going to always out like it's going to kind of um you're not going to be able to beat him while you're, you're while you're about him because obviously when he's scoring and he's impacting the game um it's dragging you through do you get me it's dragging you through the hard time it's dragging you through when you're mm-hmm. when you're down or whatever i feel like if you guys were a really good team so let's say like you were playing to the level of like a city were under pep in his first in his second season for example where everyone else plays to a really high level then you've got that one guy that um doesn't play to as high as a level as everyone else I feel like it comes out a little bit more, even though they might still score, they might still assist because everyone else is scoring and assisting. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whereas yeah, when it's just then, him that's doing it in a bad team, he I don't think you're gonna beat him until agreed. But but you know what, what does what does a, a team that where he is standing out for those errors, but then everybody around him is doing a good job, what does a team like that look like? Is that a team that's now competing for the title? And then he's just a player within the team that's sloppy because if with the current team who are unable to play, he's able to put in performances which are getting us good results. If you improve the players around him, how good does the overall team get? Do you understand what I'm saying? And then if you're winning, you know how it goes. If you're winning, the fans ain't going to complain very much, to be honest. Yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. Also, though, the, the, that one thing, Mariah, you're right there. And the other thing is, Shemi's talking about building a team, which I completely agree with. But mm. you can't build a team and phase Bruno out at the same time. Because if Bruno keeps producing, you're not going to build that team minus Bruno, are you? So you can't get the most of bo- best of both. Of and, uh, to be fair, I'm not necessarily talking about building a, team, building a team per se. I'm just describing the state in which United the are right now. Yeah, yeah just like yeah, yeah. how, okay. how as a team, they are in general, which is not very good. But mm. if they were good, then maybe it wouldn't What happens with Bruno? Yeah, so um, I don't see things uh, call, call down yourself about not very good. 
You know them ones, yeah, where like someone's bullying your little brother in school, you say like, only I can bully them. Do you know what I mean? Like, only I can call Man United shit. Do you know what I'm saying, bro? Yeah, cool down there, yeah. yeah. Well, I can't, I can't call you United. Well, I can't, I can't United call our seat, no? Habits. Yeah, cool down, man. Yeah, don't let me start today. Yeah, what more goals than Marshall in the league? Oh. Havertz. Me? What, it, co- it, costs, it costs double Martial, so I'd expect that. I mean, he doesn't play at the top of the pitch, but it's fine. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, well done, Jeremy. He come, he come, he come prepared. He, he's been listening to the pod, Seb, so he's ready. Um, when I spit bars in a ring, man, I go hard like Santan. Hello, Meet here from Touchline Frackers. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. So businesses all over the globe have been challenged to be their most efficient, and that means that every single hire that they have is critical. Indeed, are the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the right person for your business. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring, so you only pay for what you need. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out for a free $75 credit at indeed.com forward slash bluewire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com forward slash bluewire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. When I spit bars in a ring, go hard like Santan. Mosh, we've kept you waiting long enough. Um, you're, 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 uh, you're reigning champs. A 1-1 draw against Brighton. Um, what were the thoughts that came across to you um, after that game? Um, what did it cost, essentially? Obviously, you rested players. Sounds like it cost you everything, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I won't. I won't. I won't treat you like Des, Mariah. Don't worry about it, man. I'll go easy. <laughs> but um, no, I think I think it's really interesting because the midweek game was a bit of a preview of the fact of I think some Liverpool fans have a bit of are a bit kind of disillusioned with kind of where they actually sit. So yeah, Liverpool are amazing, but Liverpool are amazing when you consider the players who play for Liverpool, right? So Liverpool with Virgil van Dijk and all of these other players, yes, they're amazing. But the moment Virgil van Dijk's not playing and all of these other top players aren't playing, you've got to adjust your expectations. So we're coming against, coming up against a Brighton side who, in all honesty, I thought without Lamptey playing, I, we were actually looking forward to playing them because you thought that was a big, big um, loss for them. But credit to Graham Potter, I thought he was very clever and played three strikers up top. And that kind of pinned Robertson back completely because all of the runs were being made in behind our fullbacks. And I'm sure anyone who watched the game saw they were getting in behind left, right and centre. And then I think the other problem was that you've got someone like James Milner, who I'm sure everyone thinks is a, is a good player and has been a good player for a long time. But at 34, you can't expect him to play three games in six days. And obviously that ties into what Klopp's saying. But when you amount that with injuries where you can't replace him, it, it doesn't help. And then, boy, some of the players who stepped in, looks like we picked them up from that PLT sale, man, because bloody Minamino, um, 
was dreadful and and I want to see more from him, but I think the chances are going down. Nico Williams doesn't look good. And the problem is when you're, you know, replacing someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold, you, you've got a lot to live up to. So it, it's harsh on him, but ultimately if you're playing for a team as good as Liverpool at the moment, you're going to be judged by that standard. And I'm not annoyed by the result in the sense of, I mean, we all want three points, but if you're playing against a team who's missed a penalty, they missed a few clear-cut chances, you've got to kind of just take it on the chin. I, I tweeted myself, and I think a lot of you guys agreed, VAR didn't get anything wrong. If, if, if it was, you know, a Brighton fullback who kicked Mane to the ground, I'd be screaming for it. If it was Welbeck who was a yard offside scoring a header, I'd be angry about it. So we can't say that VAR is incorrect just when things go against our team. You know what I mean? So I think the worrying thing for me is obviously I believe in the team and believe we're good, but all of the players that make us good because of the scheduling we have aren't going to play every week at the same time. So it's about, are those players who are going to come in and replace them able to bridge the gap? I thought Jordan Henderson was fantastic when he came on, completely controlled that game. Game only really spun when um, Williams came off and we had 19-year-old Curtis Jones as a centre mid playing at right back and you could just see they were just tucking in behind on that left side. So... For me, it's not the be-all and end-all for, for how much mess there was going on before this game. We, we did well, but Liverpool need to find a way. You can't cry about Van Dijk being injured all the time. Whatever players are wearing that Liverpool shirt need to find a way of getting three points if they think they're good enough to play for the club and win in the Premier League. Mm, that's, that's some tough love there. Um, go on, Tobes. Yeah, you need to also tell your, you need to tell your players to practice what you preach as well with the whole... Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna call something out as a bogus decision, then you need to call out call it out when it goes in your favor. Because I felt I saw some nasty behavior from James Milner as well. Like he's someone who's very reserved, keeps himself to himself. So for him to come out and tweet all that, oh, what happened to clear and obvious with the VAR stuff? It, it's nasty. And I think Jurgen Klopp as well. He needs to practice what he preaches too, because I feel like not for the first time, whenever things don't go um, Liverpool's way, because you've had it so used to going your way over the past couple of years, you lot um, spit your dummy out and you act like babies uh, in social media or in the public eye. And it really, it really irks me. Jurgen Klopp is bitching and moaning about, um, he's bitching and moaning about uh, scheduling. He's doing X, Y, and Z. And yet, <clears throat> and yet when everything works in your favour, he's silent. I don't understand that. I, I, I disagree with that completely, though, Tobes, because why? his whole interview before the Leicester game, which we won and was probably our best performance of the season, was that same rant. So Jurgen Klopp isn't doing that bitch boy thing of only speaking up when things go wrong. He's talking about it, whether things go right or wrong. So I give him credit for that. And at least he's been consistent. Sebi talked about it as well. These, you know, these cowards at the bottom of the league who thought, yeah, they'll get a week's rest rather than three days like the teams we support. They're, they're the ones who are all suffering as well. So, you know, there's managers. Oli, it, it's showing, BT Sport showed a clip of Oli saying the same thing last week. I think until the smaller teams have players who go down, these bigger managers combined need to speak up because it's not just Jurgen Klopp who thinks it and he's not just saying it when it's the result that doesn't go his way. Yeah, but I wasn't just focusing on Jurgen Klopp. I'm talking about your players as well. There's just a there's a culture, whether it's with fans or with players with Liverpool. Whenever whenever it goes in your favour, um, there's no talk, there's no nothing. But when it goes against you, you're all up in arms. You're 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 saying there's an agenda, there's a Liverpool agenda. There is no Liverpool agenda, and I think that just needs to be put to bed. Yeah, I, I don't think there's an agenda personally. I I think we've got players. 
I, I, and you see this with winners from all kinds of sports. No winner is a good loser. And there's no way of being a gracious loser. And I don't want my players to be gracious losers. So if they look like they're bitter, if they look like they're pathetic, if they look like they're throwing their toys out the pram, I'd rather they do that if that's the same mentality that fuels them to win the big trophies. Makes sense, mm, makes sense. Yeah. Even like, you, like, you like trophies. that feels, doesn't it? Yeah, you dropped trophies on your head top, man. You dropped that on your head top. Yeah, yeah, you dropped that on your head top. I can't say anything. I was like, oh, shit, you might have gotten me there. You got me there, you got me there still. You got me there, you got me there. All right. So, yeah, let's talk Let's talk about Klopp. So, yeah, obviously, he did say um around the Leicester game as well. So, I agree with you there, Mush, that he wasn't just complaining. Um. One thing that was interesting to me, because then he had a little like mini rant on, on the BBC as well. Um, going around the room, um, was that a penalty? I'll start with you, uh, Dan Cooks. You're on mute. Of course, course it was course it was a pen. Like the thing is, it's funny because um James Milner came out and doing all these his, his games, games gone tweets, you know, like, oh, is anyone else falling out of love with with the sport? Yeah, but Three weeks ago, when it was West Ham, Masuaku done the exact same thing to, to Mo Salah. I didn't see none of this, yeah? They're actually like, this is the thing, Liverpool players, the fans, they have zero shame, they have zero self-awareness, yeah? It's pathetic from them. Every time a, a, a smidgen of a decision is remotely controversial, and this one wasn't even controversial, they start crying, biggest victims in, biggest victims in the world, yeah? I'm sorry, Mo Salah wins softer pens than that, every other week, yeah? And I see nothing from them. Nothing from the fans, nothing from Klopp. You know, I, what's that one from two years ago? You could It could have been blow by blow, uh, the stuff that was coming out of his match, uh, out of his mouth about this match. Oh, you think that was a pen? Going at the going at the interviewer, you think that was a pen in his dead New Balance tracksuit, yeah? Like, this guy, he needs to wind his neck in and just take the, the wheat with the chaff, yeah? Like... When, when things go your way, you're silent. When things don't go your way, stay silent as well and just take your L, man. It's, it's rubbish. That was a stonewall pen and I don't want to hear no hype from any Liverpool fans about it. It's, it's, it's so annoying. I'm sick of it. <laughs> all right, all right. So you literally just doubled down with what Tobes said. You ignored my question and just doubled down with what Tobes said. I, I, I answered the question. I, I answered the question. <laughs> I answered the question. It was a pen. It. I respect it. Um, <laughs> Zebby, um, the offside... Uh, Salah's supposed offside. Um, it looks like if it was offside and it, it was by a toe, and I think Mush, you were talking about, you did tweet about, it and I responded to you. Um, what the the feedback was? Yeah, that's offside, but that's not what VAR was brought in for. Where where do you where do you stand with that? When somebody can be offside by just a just a toe or a kneecap or whatever the case it may be. You know what? It's you know what like like I could run an agenda on Liverpool and say that they get the decisions and whatever, but I feel like it's more so like being offside by your toe or whatever for me should be allowed. Do you know what I mean? Like it should be allowed because personally, um, it's a gain of thin, thin margins. And from what I heard, there is um, a degree of error with VAR, so. If there's a degree of error with VAR being offside by your toe, technically, in like because there's a degree, nobody actually knows. It's just we're relying on the lines, and the lines are not 100% accurate, so nobody actually knows. So I feel like, in my opinion, there should be some leeway um, in regards to that, but there needs to be consistency because we've seen the same thing. We've seen like a fingernail 
Do you know what I mean? We've seen the smallest, the smallest margin given. So it's just about consistency. Consistency. If there's consistency um, throughout the board, there's not going to be an issue. Nobody's going to complain. It's going to be that. All right, cool. This is the way we implement it. Not one ref not going to VAR today, for example, for like Rashford, not going VAR because they don't want to because of what happened yesterday. And then Salah, the shoulder is just offside, so we're just going to let it go. Let everybody know the rules and everybody implement VAR. This same there can't be a little bit of change it's supposed to be clear and obvious but some are not clear and obvious some are and certain refs not refuse refusing to actually look at it yeah there just needs to be better refing and um just a better uh just just better implementation of var in general and also there should uh, be allowances for a degree of error do you know what just to expand on that as well um seb did you know that there's actually um, you know, when they're looking at the recordings and they're looking mm. at the freeze frames, mm. there's actually apparently 24 individual frames which they choose when they decide the ball actually came off the foot. Uh, so came off the foot. That's yeah, key. Yeah. So so it, when they're looking at a frame, is it the ball, f- the foot first touching the ball or is mm. it the ball leaving the foot? They can't decide. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm not actually bitter about the Salah offside because if it's offside, then it's offside. What I found a bit weird was... What is this 240p quality video that they're looking at? My man's Ben White's foot was all pixelated. You couldn't even see where his foot ended. So fine, it's offside if they decided it, but it's decided on nonsense. It's decided on Microsoft Paint. So I, I don't agree with and that. And the lines as well. The uh, lines I are agree. all over the shop sometimes. I agree. Too. This is degree. This is degree of error. Like the lines are all over the shop. I feel like there should be allowances in it. Like there should be allowances. But if one's offside, like I remember Rashford had one. Rashford actually, I think it might have been Champions League. I can't remember where Rashford is definitely offside. Yeah. And they've given it to him. Yeah. I don't know if it's Champions League or one of the cup competitions, or it might even be, I can't remember. Yeah. But he, yeah. Yeah. He was offside. And because he had a sick performance, they've, no, no, it wasn't even a lapse. It wasn't Leipzig. I think it might have been uh, when he played up top. And he, does, he he played so sick that game. And I think he scored the final goal. And everybody's like, Rashford deserved the goal. And he was offside in that match. Um, and they gave it to him. Do you know what I mean? And it's just about, listen, I just need consistency in it. Simple as that. My, my thing is, yeah, I feel like the benefit should always be given to the attacker, like if there's doubt. So like, if you looked at the Salah, I guarantee if they showed a different angle of the Salah um, offside, he might have looked onside. Do you understand what I'm saying? So as long as, as long as there's any type of doubt, I think the benefit should be given to the attacker. So if I was a Liverpool fan, I would be a little bit aggrieved of it, but it, that's just what VAR is now. So you just have to accept it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, we watch the game to be entertained, don't we? Uh, entertainment usually comes in the form of goals. Not always Tobes, obviously, as today will attest to for you. Um, but um, everything that promotes that entertainment should be what they're promoting. So um, I get it. And it, to be honest, on the balance of the match, Brighton definitely did deserve something. And I, when I think of Graham Potter, that's one of the managers I think of who show that they're a really good coach, um, but probably needs that kind of few more jobs before he could manage a team like Manchester United. But every time I watch Brighton, I'm impressed. Um, most of the time they end up losing just because their strikers aren't good enough and their attackers aren't good enough to, to execute the, the positions that they, they get put in. Um, so let's just finish up by talking a bit about uh, our midweek games. Um, I'll start with you, Shemi. So you guys are through now in your group, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, we're through. So we're through. What, what what's the goal? To, you've got Sevilla again, haven't you? Um, yeah. So what's the goal to try and finish as high as you, you can? Do you think you're getting a Pulisic, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Petr Cech, 
uh, Tamori, Aspilaqueta, the usual band, or, or do you think you're going to play some of your, some of your starters? Um, so I think, in terms of the lineup, I think Pulisic will start. I think Hudson Doe will start. I think he'll go with Giroud because uh, Werner needs a rest, and so does Tammy, to be fair. Um, I want top spot because having looked at all the groups across the, the Champions League, um, there are a few favourable draws for getting top spot. I feel like this year the Champions League is different, whereas other years getting top spot wouldn't really matter. But this year it seems as if, because um, obviously, whereas some of the big teams are kind of fell off, so like teams like Atletico, teams like Real Barca, um, getting the second place team doesn't seem as daunting as previous years. So yeah, personally, I want top spot. Um, I think he'll mix it up and go with some of the um, rotational players as well as the core starting eleven. So I think guys like Thiago will still start because he didn't play um, in midweek this week. I think um, guys like James will still play, but then rotational guys like Hudson Dojerud will probably come in too. So yeah, I hope we win. I want top spot so that we can um, go for a more favourable draw. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tobes, um, what's going on in the Europa League? I'll be honest, I ain't got a clue, mate. Um, <laughs> where are you in your group? Who you play? Who you playing? You know, Venetia scored a couple of goals on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, what's yeah. going on with that? Yeah, so we are um, we're top of our group, I believe. I think we, I think we have to be honest. I'm not really paying much attention to it as well. I just watch our match. <laughs> I literally just watch our <laughs> matches and keep it <laughs> and keep it stepping. But I think we're top of our group, and um, I know we play last. Lask away from home next. Mm. We flogged them three 0 in the in the home game. Yeah. They're not a good side. So really and truly, barring any sort of attitude shift, we should get a win. We should get a win, and we should get a comfortable win as well. I just hope that um, the players have the right mentality because the players he's going to put into that game with the NL with the North London derby on Sunday. We're going to see Vinicius. We're going to see Winks. We're going to see Gareth Bale. We're going to see. Um, Deli Ali, Lucas Mora, Deli Ali. Yeah, we're going to see all those players. So I just want them to carry the same attitude they had um, in our previous match against um, against Ludogorets into that game, just so we don't have to use any of our key starters for that for that North London derby. Yeah, it's weird. You're second, but you've got a better goal difference, and I think it's it's going off the head to head. You lost. Um, to... Yeah, we lost to Royal Antwerp, and they so... and they've yeah, so they've got less <laughs> goals, but the same points. So they've given them first. So yeah, uh, yeah. So you're you're second in your group. Ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Kids, what's going on with uh, with you lot? Uh, Pepe looking like the uh, Thursday night Neymar. Um, that guy's a myth as well. Yeah, but um, yeah, Europa League group stages. Just what 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 is it? It's just like five aside friendlies, isn't it? Whatever you can you can you can play anyone in those matches against them. I don't. Who did we play this week? We played Molde, I think. That's Ole's, Ole's old team, you know, so obviously they've got a lot of pedigree, you know, because that, that was enough to get him the United job. So, you know, they're, they're a solid, solid outfit, managed to beat them 3-0. Um, yeah, man, you don't need to watch the Europa League until the quarterfinals. Um, although, saying that, with Arteta in charge, we managed to go out in the last 16 last year. So, um, uh, uh, I, should, I, should, I should actually be worried. I should be worried. You should be fine this season. You've got a bit more strength in depth, right? Yeah, I don't know about that, man. On Europa League, though, before you move off, Mariah, with, um, Shemi made a great point about like some of the, the elite European sides not looking as strong as they were. But it seems like there could be some interesting teams dropping to the Europa League as well. So like your group, for instance, with Man United, one of Leipzig or PSG, or maybe even you, I don't know what the what the, <laughs> the gap is, but someone's dropping down to why the you, Europa League. Why are you League laughing? There, so. 
I don't know the I don't know the standings. That's why it's, that's why. I was oh laughing. yeah, yeah. I'll, don't worry. I'll, I'll get the standings for you, big man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Sorry. we're top with nine points. Okay. Uh, PSG a second with six. Yeah. Uh, Leipzig a third with six, but just a negative goal difference. Okay. Then Istanbul are, are bottom of the group with okay. three. So yeah. Um, yeah. So it, yeah, a few decent teams potentially. Yeah. Inter Milan as well. There's a few. There's a few others as well. So yeah. it could make the Europa League a bit more interesting. But yeah, I don't want to talk yeah, we'll about see. that competition yeah. anymore. Um, Seb, um, as a Tobes has nicely kind of segued into to our situation. Yeah, we're top of our group. Um, we missed a trick not beating Istanbul. Um, so now we need a result against either Leipzig or PSG. Um, how confident are you feeling that we'll get that? Um, well, I think we only really need a draw in one of those two games, and that will be yeah. good for us to go I through. Th- I feel I think we'll get a draw from one of them. I don't think it'll be uh, against PSG, um, which is cool. I feel like we'll definitely get a draw against um, Leipzig. But again, Istanbul could beat Leipzig. Do you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I think we'll get a draw against Leipzig, and I think we'll be through. But just touching on Europa League, the way the state of the Europa League looks like, you know, like pickup games in a park. Do you know what I mean? Like this, you just you just see random youths, random Eastern European youths to say, "Yeah, join my team." That's 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 how that's how the Europa League is looking like, bro. Uh, is, I just want to know about you lot's midweek games. Everyone throwing shade at everybody yeah, else. Yeah, man. Just give me the state of play and keep it moving, please. <laughs> please, why, yeah? <laughs> Sorry, but just on that, I know we want to keep it moving, but why do you think you can't beat PSG? Because they've been they've been pony in the Champions League. They've been they've been pony I watched the game against Leipzig they were poor. Um, this week and Leipzig literally had them in their half for about 70 minutes of the whole game. Um, Leipzig just had the cutting edge they just couldn't score but they had all the possession all the play uh, if we beat PSG, PSG yeah. looks so poor if we yeah. beat them I'm happy I'm just saying like we need to get a draw yeah, um, and down. then like again it's not even about more so PSG it's about us in it we're up and down and that's literally it like we, we can lose against anybody beat anybody and that's literally it that's the Manchester United roller coaster at, at this current moment in time. Um, Mush, uh, you guys, you need to win, right? How how are you doing in your group? You're top of your group, so you've got nine points. Ajax have got seven. Atlanta have got seven. Midland or whatever you say, Shemi have got um, no points. Um, a win against Ajax and you're through, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a tough one because there's there's similar to your, your group, probably a bit less so. But we've got three good teams in our group, and then one kind of you know, the boys you batter. So um, I think the the thing for us is that Klopp rested Matip completely um, in the in the last game, so he'll be coming in. I think Trent might be back, and then I think Jota. Klopp's trying to do it such that. Jota, Mane and Salah all don't start the same amount of games. So I think Jota started two or three in a row now. So he'll come out. Bobby Firmino did have a good game against Brighton, actually, um, in terms of linking up. So I think it will be the classic Mane, Salah, Firmino up top. Henderson's back as well. So a bit more of the familiar spine. I think that that made us a good side. Personally, I'm, I'm not too bothered. Obviously, I want to get the group wrapped up. So there's not too much riding on that last game. But that last game's against Michelin anyway. So I'm I'm not too panicky about it. We're in a good position. Just need to get the job done, hopefully on next this week or otherwise we do it next week. Okay, so I've got one listener question. Uh listener uh it's called Houdini. Um so it's a question. Uh the team that's impressed you the most, the team that's impressed you the least, uh your three teams to get relegated, and your top four and your title winners so yes 
pretty pretty in-depth question for Houdini. Shout out, Houdini. Long-time listener to, of the pod. Um, yeah, so I guess rather than having you all go around and answer the same question like five times, I'd rather we, we do this as a group. So we'll start with uh, the team that's impressed us the most. We're a quarter of the way through the season now. Um, so, yeah, I'm open to hear suggestions. Spurs. Spurs? Mm. Southampton. Southampton, okay. Uh, Mine Spurs as well. I think yeah. us. I'd say Spurs. us. Spurs. I'd, I'd rather you think of somebody else, Tobes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back up, back up. I would say Southampton. I, I like what Hassan Hootel's doing. Okay, I, I'll go with Spurs as well then. So we'll say Spurs have been the most impressive team thus far. Um, what have you had as your least impressive team thus far? Arsenal. Arsenal. Yeah, we're up there. We're up there. Arsenal. Um, I think Sheffield United. Sheffield United. Sheffield United as well, yeah. I think they've been quite disappointed yeah. given their good season last year as well. Okay. They, they, they had a good season last year, but I feel like they overachieved when you look at the players they had. I they think did. relative to the players you have, um, <laughs> it's been a shit show, really. Um, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, I'm, it's, I'm saying Arsenal. I'm saying Arsenal too. Yeah, Arsenal. Arsenal. Just, so to, got... just to change it up, I'll go Newcastle because I think they've had four shots all season so far. So. Four shots on target? Honestly, they, they they don't do anything all game. They're actually they're so a, jammy. So jammy. How have they got four wins? They're jammy. They're jammy. <laughs> they got, they're literally they, jammy, man. They won their first two games of the season with one shot on target in both oh. So they're just and I think one was a penalty as well. So one you can't you can't beat them, man. Cool. Crystal Palace is another one. That's disappointed. Disappointing, yeah. Okay. Um, what are your three teams to go down? Fulham, West Brom, <laughs> and Sheffield United. Yeah. Anybody have any different teams? I'm going Fulham, Burnley, and Fulham, Burnley, West Brom. Burnley do this every year, man. They do this every year. I know. I know. Close our eyes. We'll get to Daishi, March. And Daishi's be like, lured me in this time. I don't believe in yeah. Daishi. <laughs> nah. We'll get to March and they'll be like 10th somehow. Like you just <laughs> put, put, Okay, cool. Um, uh, Would you guys have us your top four? Liverpool, Spurs, Chelsea, City. I don't know. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. Man United, Man United, Spurs, Chelsea, City. He's saying it in order as well. I'm telling you. I am. I am. Um, I agree with the rest of you. So unfortunately, Seb, you've been outvoted in this particular uh, scenario. And um, who do we have as our champions? Man United. Seb goes to Man United. Oh, Tobes? I'm still going to have to go with Liverpool. Liverpool, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shemi? Liverpool. Liverpool for me. Um, that, I think Dan's thinking or... Sorry, what was that? Dan's <laughs> reflecting, bro. Arteta's got him reflecting. <laughs> Well, champions. I was asking who you oh, have. Champion. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool. 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 Them. And Mush, you said Liverpool as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, thank you all for your time this evening. Mush, pleasure to have you on. Uh, Dan, Seb, Tobes, Shemi, your regular. So I won't thank you too much. Doing your jobs really. Um, have a nice evening. Um, we'll, we'll keep it locked. Uh, Dan, listen. If you need anything, brother, 
Just let me know. I'm here for you, um, man. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to have a nightcap, you know, <laughs> <laughs> on a Sunday. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, we hate to see it, genuinely, man. But lads, seriously, thank you all for your time this evening. Uh, take care. Podcast Network.